Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Today on The Lustrous Life, we have encore guest Robin Johnson, one of my favorite dietitians. She's back to talk about acne today. And Robin is a functional medicine dietitian nutritionist. Her passion is using food and lifestyle as medicine after her personal battle and triumph with psoriasis. She specializes in helping women optimize their health and hormones by finding the root cause to their symptoms. Robin runs a virtual private practice and is the co-creator of Her Hormones Academy, an online program for women who want to improve their health and hormones with food and lifestyle. And this is a topic that Robin's been talking a lot about, and it affects a lot of people. So I'm super excited to have her come and chat about this today. Thanks for having me back, Krista. So we were just chatting off air about a lot of things, but I was asking you about different types of acne. So um, let's talk about kind of the ebb and flow. Like uh, sometimes people get acne as babies. Sometimes people get it as teenagers. Tell us about if there's different types of acne. Yeah, so there's quite a few, and this is where it can be challenging for people who maybe even have it at different stages of life, and there's not a real pattern. So some of the different types include hormonal, which is often rooted with, there's different types of hormones, and we can get into that, but often seen more in women. There's inflammatory types, there's infectious types, there's stress-related types, there's topical or irritant. So that often is just in one area where something like say you have headphones on all the time and it's just an area or there's combinations of different types, which is where the navigation of, you know, using the different signs and symptoms can be really helpful. Cool. Talk to me a little bit more about the, the process that happens when you get stress acne. Stress can be any form. And we could be talking about inflammation from gut stress. We can be talking about emotional stressors. And we know that these stressors of any sort have an impact on our immune system, our cortisol, our sex hormones. And so the way that it can be impacting acne could actually be through any one of those mechanisms. But really what someone would notice is they're more stressed from an emotional standpoint and their acne gets worse. Or oftentimes with the gut-related acne, you'll see the acne show up 
usually it's like all month long. It's not just cyclical. And oftentimes you'll see it too on the back or like upper shoulders and on the cheeks and forehead. So it's not always just like jawline type. And you've got the relationship with insulin. And so we know with stress, you get higher release of hormones like DHEA from the adrenal glands, and that's a stress-related response. And so when you have higher levels of DHEA, which is a precursor to things like testosterone and testosterone metabolites like DHT, those hormones are going to stimulate skin cells, which grow faster and produce more oil, which is then going to mean blocked pores and acne. And so that's really the mechanism and it it roots in the skin cells and it roots in the testosterone and hormone relationship. So with acne, you just mentioned oil and it made me think of with acne, is it always too much oil in a pore doing the wrong thing? Like, is there, is there, is that the traditional kind of definition or is it couldn't be different? That's typically what's going to actually create the acne. Yes. Okay. Now there's different types or there's different mechanisms or reasons that that will actually happen. But in terms of what's happening on the skin, yes, that's one of the most common reasons you're going to see acne. So, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm full of like random questions today. In the last couple of years, oil-based cleansers and oil-based like night creams and serums have become really popular. When we think just like with what makes sense, if someone already has oily skin, we would think that maybe that would be counterintuitive, but that's not necessarily the case. Do you know anything about these oil-based products? Well, so this is definitely more of the esthetician type person. I work a lot more with like the internal component. However, we definitely know that the pH of the skin matters and the topicals that you're using matter and the oil production matters. And so it's it's kind of like similar to, you know, the more you wash the oil out of your hair or the more you wash the oil out of your face, you're affecting what your body, your skin is then producing. And so there's certainly a relationship. I would say with clients, though, I definitely am focusing more on the internal. And then, you know, we, we're going to look at their topicals and, and assess the cleanliness and that type of stuff. But usually by the time clients are seeing me, they've already experimented a lot with different topicals. Right. Totally. It's a, We were talking off air about working with skin issues and how we want it to be so simple because it seems topical, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things going on under the old iceberg. So Inner and outer components for sure. Yeah. It's frustrating. So um, you kind of almost made me go down another rabbit hole about people not washing hair and all that thing. But that's another story for another day. Let's talk about common root causes to acne. We just talked about that somewhat, but is there anything to add? Yeah, for sure. So I would say the most common ones that I see would be the hormonal type and the inflammatory type. And that's probably because I focus more on women's health. But with the hormones, so we're talking about things like insulin, which is a hormone, which I kind of talked about that mechanism. But we're also talking about sex hormones, which usually the reason that acne is triggered from a sex hormone standpoint is the relationship between testosterone and estrogen and testosterone and progesterone. And so what I recommend a lot of people do if you are battling acne is try to keep track of when it's happening. Is it cyclical at all, like in relation to your hormones? Did it show up after birth control? Do you have PCOS? Or, you know, there's a lot of cyclical stuff that you can kind of journal and track. And if that's the case, you're you're likely looking at a a, um, hormone-based acne and then the harder part would be navigating what type or where's the imbalance at. And then we also have the the insulin type, which I talked about. Essentially, you're, you're increasing production of 
androgen precursors in the skin, which is then boosting that oil production. And then the other big one would be the inflammation type. And so this typically isn't very cyclical. This is usually more of an all month type. And then we have to go down the rabbit hole of what's causing the inflammation, right? And this is, as you know, the challenging part of our job. And it could be gut related, like LPS, it could be food inflammation, it could be oxidative stress, it could be histamine. There's lots of different potential inflammatory triggers that are relating to the acne showing up. Right. You know, I was talking to someone about this yesterday, a client who had impaired glucose insulin interaction um, with micronutrients. We, we saw that show up on testing. We were talking about insulin and its relationship to her acne. And then she was asking me if she could drink alcohol. And so, <laughs> and so um, I was saying about, I was telling her about how alcohol can help aromatize um, androgens into estrogen and possibly create different kinds of acne there. Um, what are your thoughts about this like would you say um how do you think alcohol plays in in general yeah i mean that's going to be so individualized like we were talking about off air you know how someone's liver detoxifying when you're talking about estrogen like you just mentioned that's a whole process on it in its own so if if you're drinking alcohol and you don't have great estrogen metabolism or liver detoxification within the liver you're just adding to the burden of burden of the hormonal issue that's going on. And those issues within the liver are also potentially factors for someone's acne showing up. So if you're in the mode or in the zone of figuring out what's going on, I always say take out like the obvious ones that we know are not serving our health. Yeah, I'm jealous of all the people who have these issues on the inside, but still have beautiful skin because that was not me. So um, not me either. Oh my gosh, you and me both. That's why I think we both have a soft spot in our hearts for the skin issues because we know the you know the physical pain that comes with it, but also the emotional pain that comes with it. Right. Yeah. I, I've actually had people that have this whole array of issues, this whole laundry list of symptoms and or diagnoses, but they don't call someone until it starts presenting on their skin because once it hits that appearance, it's a different level of emotion and anguish, etc. Yeah. I mean, and I think that kind of goes with weight loss being a big goal. You know, those physical pieces are definitely triggers that people finally reach out for help. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that correlation, but it's such a good point. Okay. uh, Let's talk about certain foods that create an environment for acne. So again, it could be many, lots of individuality here, but the biggest two that if someone were to start with would be sugar or the processed carbs category and dairy. And this really circles back to the pathways that I mentioned, which are the insulin with sugar, a lot of processed carbs. We're definitely impacting our blood sugar and our insulin levels, which then goes down that whole rabbit hole of stimulating the skin cells to produce more testosterone pieces. But then the dairy, we know not only is dairy just a, a direct, it directly increases the skin cell growth. But it also is a big increase of IGF-1 or insulin growth-like factor. And so you get the same signals as the insulin that you get from that, which it ends up triggering the same pathways. And this won't be the same for everybody. So not everyone who eliminates sugar or dairy is going to see a difference. Totally depends on the type. But those are the biggest food categories. And that's why, I mean, in the last... 20, 30 years of research looking at the relationship between diet and acne, all of the interventions or many of them 
look at reducing sugar, reducing processed carbs, and reducing dairy because of those known pathways. Right. Um, as a side note, you were talking about being about dairy and growth factor. And so we think about, I always mention to people, the reason we have dairy is because of a hormonal process that a cow is experiencing. So you're going to take on those hormones a bit. Um, and estrogen in general is a, like a growth hormone, right? So exactly. Mm -hmm. okay. exactly. And histamine too, you know, histamine, dairy is a big histamine trigger and that mm -hmm. could be one of the reasons going on in the gut. So that's why when you, you know, when you Google or look up acne and in food, dairy is almost on everything because it's one of the biggest ones that people do see a difference with. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. Um, I feel like we've just covered how hormones play a role in acne. Did we miss anything? No, I think we got that one. Okay, cool. So I guess to that, the only other difference would be to narrow narrow in on a, like estrogen and progesterone as in terms of sex hormones because the reason I have people look at is your acne showing up in certain times of your cycle is because that can be really good information. And the reason you see acne would, if it's hormonal is really because of the relationship between testosterone and estrogen or, est or testosterone and progesterone. And we need healthy amounts of both estrogen and progesterone to combat what's going on with testosterone. And so it's really like that Goldilocks thing because too much of any of any of those, progesterone, testosterone, or estrogen, can be an issue for acne. And so if you see that it's cyclical, you know that is an area that you need to dig into. Right. Let's talk about that cycling. Um, because if we see it mm -hmm. cyclical, let's talk about, let's say it's it's common to see it maybe a week before your period, um, right? Because we see uh, what a surge of estrogen at that time. Would you say that's the correct reason? And then what about right after ovulation as well? So flip that before before ovulation, you're seeing the increase in estrogen. And typically, this is not when people see their acne. Most of the time, they see it in the second half of their cycle. And in at that point, so it's pre-period acne. And you should see an increase in progesterone. As estrogen will be lower, and testosterone usually remains the same. So one of the most common reasons that people are seeing acne there is because progesterone is much is too low in relation to the testosterone. And there's lots of potential reasons for that. But the goal there is, A, make sure you're actually ovulating to produce progesterone at all. And then there's a lot of dietary things that can be done to help progesterone production. And I do see this the most. What I'm noticing is a lot of women who are experimenting with lower carb or fasting, and they're doing that like too, pushing it too far, doing it too long. Mm -hmm. You're you could be decreasing your total hormone production. And therefore, if progesterone is lower or estrogen is lower, then you're more likely to see that acne show up. So if someone's listening to this and they're thinking like, yeah, that's me, then that may be an area to look into. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That was one possibility. You said there's a lot of possibilities with progesterone being too low in relationship to testosterone. Can you cover a couple others? Yeah, so big high stress is another one. Um, reasons for not ovulating in general. So this could be like over exercising, again, not eating enough, could be nutrient insufficiencies, things like vitamin E, vitamin C, I mean, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes of specific nutrients, but it really comes down to optimizing your eggs and optimizing ovulation. Because 
ovulation is why you produce progesterone. So you have to make sure you're ovulating every month to get that progesterone. Mm. So for someone not ovulating, they're probably just a general increased risk for acne. Overall. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay, cool. Um, is there another person that's in it at, in, at an at increased risk? Or do you feel like we just covered that? <laughs> Meaning pre-period or just in general? I would say someone who's coming off of birth control. Mm. Uh, that's a common time because your body's relearning to make those hormones, your own hormones. And so if you notice that, then you're going to have to give the body some time or really focus in on optimizing those. And the reason I'm keeping a lot of the tips and tricks short because there's so many and this is the type of stuff that we go into detail in the online course you mentioned, Her Hormones Academy, because it is so complicated. And mm -hmm. so you can't really cover it in a you know 30 second answer. And so if someone notices pre-period acne or post-birth control acne or acne with PCOS, I, like, I would encourage you to, to think of that as, okay, I have really good evidence now and I've narrowed it down to a hormone type and now go to the next step of more investigation. Right. I like that. I think the other thing that makes this tricky is for me with hormones, when I see pictures of how things are working and timelines, it makes it easier to understand, right? Than if someone's just, if you're just hearing it in your ear a little bit, because when things happen in the cycle and how things increase and decrease, that it makes a lot more sense when you see an image of it. Absolutely. You can yeah. like more, much more quickly explain it. So we talked about the second half of the cycle being the most common. You have the pre, um, because of uh, progesterone being too low in relationship to testosterone, right? That's what hap that's what's happening in the second half of the cycle. Is that what you're saying? Yep, because progesterone helps regulate that testosterone metabolism. So Got you it. need it. So what about when it's in the first half of the cycle? Then what do you think? It's typically not as common for it to just be in the first half and not in the second half. If it's, I would honestly say I've actually never seen it just in the first. It'd be an all month. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen just at ovulation. So that around ovulation, that three day ish period when someone might notice that. And usually that's because of a quick change in estrogen. Got it. Cool. Two things fluctuating too quickly. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, what are your top nutrition strategies for healing acne? We talked about sugar and dairy that we may have covered it all already, right? There's a few more. I mean, I would say the biggest one is if you haven't tried a trial elimination of dairy and sugar, I would say give that a go for six to 12 weeks. And that's the hardest part is we're working with hormones here. So you do have to give the body time. Mm -hmm. And what you're eating now is impacting your eggs or what you're ovulating in three months. So you really, really have to be patient with that. And then some other ones are eating for balanced blood sugar. So helping with that insulin relationship, keeping healthy carbs, healthy fats, healthy proteins at regular meal times so that you can help stabilize that blood sugar. And then another big one is antioxidants. So making sure that you're getting colorful, rich fruits and veggies because they've actually done studies that show individuals with acne have significantly less amounts of things like beta carotene, vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin A. And so if you can get those in foods, then you're helping support those antioxidants, which combat the oxidative stress. Cool. So recap, uh, it takes a while. So six to 12 weeks, you have to do that experiment. And a lot of people are not doing it that long, honestly, and then mm -hmm. be very colorful for the antioxidants and, you know, protein, fat and carb at a meal. Okay. Um, what outside of food and nutrition, what are some other strategies for improving acne? 
The biggest one would be stress. And I know that that's not the sexy answer some people want. And I've had clients where that is the root cause. And, you know, we can find that by, obviously, there's certain types of testing you can do to look at cortisol and stress relationships, but you rule other things out and you see the the life and you see the patterns. And that is one of the hardest ones because it does involve more of the lifestyle changes, but it is a very big factor that a lot of people kind of want to want to ignore because the other no things seem faster yeah no one wants yeah. to hear that that's one of that's like a sometimes a primary reason why i'll do hormone testing later on because we want to see if things are getting stuck in stress yeah we want the validation to say hey like this is why Right, exactly. And I would say, I think I've said this before on the podcast, I would say those that are unable to dial down their stress or do not make it a true priority have a very hard time improving all symptoms and all issues. Yeah. And it's, you know, overwhelm, it's mindset. I personally have fallen in love with breath work. So that's, if those those who can't meditate, I feel like breath work is amazing because you have something to focus on. So if something, someone hasn't tried it, Give that a Google. Yeah, I was actually really happy. I saw on uh, Instagram stories the other day, someone I know um, was went through a, a surgery, and I don't know where it was for cancer. And his daughter was writing on the hospital board, but diaphragmatic breathing. And this was mm-hmm. at Mayo Clinic. And I was so happy to see that that was an intervention that was being yes. used there. I just thought, I don't know about it. And I might ask when I see these people next. Um, but I just thought it was, I, I was very happy to see that. That's awesome. I think we'll be seeing it more and more. And then another non-nutrition component is the topicals. And like I said in the beginning, I'm definitely not the expert in that, but we, we do want the skin to have a lower pH. And so the types of cleansers you're using and the moisturizers and all of that can have an impact on the skin, especially if the type of acne is more of an irritation type or an infection type or a inflammatory type. It the topical piece is a big factor. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, uh, let's see. So if someone's having occasional breakouts, especially if they're an adult, what do you recommend? Occasional breakouts, I would still say investigate the type because there's still a reason. So journal the patterns, use some of the things we've talked about today to experiment, you know, pay attention. Did you go on vacation the week before and have a lot of milk or cheese? Like personally, I know if I overdo it on dairy, I will get a breakout. And so note when you're getting it and then reverse and see if there's something that may have been the trigger for that. Yeah, I would totally agree. That's so annoying when you eat cheese and you're like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> Sometimes you know it's going to happen and you're just like, it's worth it. <laughs> I actually <laughs> had some cheese for lunch and I thought, do I really like want to be broken out this week? <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know that it's actually, you know, I think things can improve over time, honestly, and how your body handles it. And I know things have improved. So I'm like, well, I'm not really sure if I will or not. But, you know, I'm still stuck in the mindset that it does. It, it yeah. Does and I think that having that mindset, though, can be helpful for people because when you talk about about things like, you know, trial of sugar and dairy elimination, if they've never done that, they think, well, then I'd have to remove it for my entire life. And that's not always the case. It can be you remove it, you identify that it's a factor, and then you get to choose moving forward when you're going to have it and what you're willing, you know, where your bucket level is. And if you improve other factors related to how dairy is processed in your own body, um, it may reduce the severity or how much you're breaking out from it, I believe, as yeah, well. So Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So if someone's listening to this and they're dealing with acne or they've dealt with occasional acne or they're like, oh, my gosh, I have this problem and it sucks, um, what do you want to leave people with? 
I do have a free acne webinar that I've done with a Kaylee, who is my co-creator of Her Hormones Academy. And so that's on my website, nutritionbyrobin.com. You can find that a full like hour-long acne webinar. And then if you really want to dig into more of everything here, then Her Hormones Academy is targeted for things exactly like this, especially the hormone-related acne. Cool. And it is a very broad academy. So... Excellent, Robin. Thanks again for coming back on, sharing a little bit. I love doing these micro topics. I think it's, and especially when they affect so many people, it's fantastic because even a micro topic you can get kind of deep into um, and still it doesn't, you know, it's not hours and hours. So (laughs) So it was a good time. Thanks so much. Thanks for chatting. Bye. Bye. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock.